Lord, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on a Friday night. If you have the, your Bible, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3. I'm going to read four different passages from Matthew tonight. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Pastor Fishburne, for asking me. And uh, thank you, Brother Adam, for driving me. If uh, I'd have driven myself, I might not be here yet. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad to be here. I thank, I thank my pastor for allowing me to be here. You guys would love Pastor Wilbanks. You probably already do. Um, and my, it's my sincere prayer that I can be as much of a blessing to this church as your pastor was to our church this year. And I believe that it can happen. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is, hand, as, is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of the prof of by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, if you want to read about it. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. John is thrown into prison. And another passage, he sends word to Jesus. Hey, are you the one? Or should we seek for another? Jesus tells him, he doesn't answer him. He says, the lame are healed. The blind see. When your pastor asked me to come on a Friday night, my first thought was, hey, well, maybe this is a youth service. So I asked him, is this a youth service? And he said, no, this is normal revival. Normal revival. That's what normal revival looks like. When we preach the word, miracles, signs, and wonders follow us. And so that's, that's happening. Matthew chapter 4 verse 12 says, Now Jesus, now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naph Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Everybody say, that's me. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light. And to them which sat in the region of shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 5. There are twelve disciples. And these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. The Holy Ghost hadn't been given yet. And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. We're going to preach tonight something that's nothing new. I'm not here to preach anything that you haven't heard. And I get a little nervous when people start preaching things that I haven't heard. <laughs> if you've been around it long enough, there's no new thing under the sun. If you start preaching me a new doctrine, I don't even... Come on. Come on. It's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's, I can't preach you anything new. I'm here to preach you the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. So we're going to pray right now. Lord, we want to receive every word that you have for us tonight. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church tonight, God. And we will respond and we will say yes to whatever your spirit says, God. We want to see revival. We want to see that revival in this church. We want to see growth, God. We want to see the Holy Ghost moving and lives being changed. Lord, we pray that this church would grow spiritually tonight, that this church would grow numerically and this church would grow financially. In Jesus' name, if you're going to help me preach, clap your hands to the Lord as you're seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's what Jesus preached. It's what John the Baptist preached. It's what we still preach as disciples. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? It means it is near. So, what is the kingdom of heaven? Jesus tells us when we pray, Matthew 6 and 9 says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we can understand that God has a will in heaven and it is perfect and we want that same will that is perfect in heaven to come down here. And we place top priority. It's up at the top of the list. We're going to pray that God's kingdom come every time we kneel down to pray. So what, how, what does that even mean? Well, how can I pray the kingdom of heaven? What is, what is the kingdom of heaven? We're gonna, these are the questions that you ask when you start preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's why a lot of churches can't preach it because they don't know the answer. We know the answer. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is not, is not something that, that is going to be set up down here politically. You're not gonna, your, your political party of choice is not going to set up the kingdom of heaven as much as we would like for that to happen that's not how the kingdom of heaven works your uh, your special interest group is not going to pass legislation through whatever means you're not going to forcibly make the kingdom of heaven come through man's ways as great as that would be and as much as we're going to keep voting the right way as as long as we have an option and we don't get much of an option much of these days hallelujah but and don't get worried about all that because that's not how the kingdom of heaven comes. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, what is what we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. You, it's something that you can't really see. It's, not, it's invisible. On earth as it is in heaven. I can't see heaven. I can see my wife and that's close. But I can't see heaven yet. You know, I can look across and see the snow. I got to see snow today. It's like, oh, we can finally have some closure about Christmas. 
for us Alabama people. It just don't happen. Thank the Lord. Maybe you like it. I don't like to shovel it. <laughs> um, can I get an amen to that? Anybody just like to shovel snow? We need weirdos in here. <laughs> but we can't see the kingdom of heaven yet. John 3 and 3 is Jesus. The, the uh, member of the Sanhedrin court, Nicodemus, comes to him at night and says, Hey, we know. We know that you're a master come from heaven. And he, he doesn't even really know what he's asking. And Jesus tells him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Or he kind of yelled at him, like emphatically. You can't even see the kingdom. Let me just read it to you. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. So we're, we're preaching something is at hand that unless you get the Holy Ghost, you're not even going to be able to see. Okay? But it's at hand. And we ought, we're praying that thy kingdom come. So what does all this mean? We're going to try to piece it together tonight. Uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, 31, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among the herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. And I know you guys don't have a lot of trees in the state of Indiana <laughs> anymore. They're pro it used to be total forest, and then we came and made it wonderful farmland. and That's beautiful in itself, but... It's amazing. You, you get a tree. You like to grow things. You take a little pepper seed and you put it in the dirt and you put water on it and you stick it out in the sun and you don't really know what happens, but it happens. We can't really describe it and scientists can show you how it, what it looks like when it happens now, but what tells that seed to go up? We don't know. It's something that we really can't Explain. We, we can tell you all about the mechanics of it, but we don't know why. The kingdom of heaven is like that. And the kingdom of heaven, again, verse 33, another parable he spake unto them. He said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leaven. It's like yeast. And when you want to make pizza... You take yeast and water and you put flour in there and you stir it up and you leave it alone and you come back and it's tripled in size and it's something that we can't really see. And we can't we can kind of explain what's happening, but we really don't know what's happening. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's also Jesus said it's like a treasure that's hid. In a field, something that you can't see. But it's at hand, and we ought to be praying that it come. What does all this mean? And there's there's so many things in the Bible that's like, it's a paradox, because, you know, everything in creation testifies of God. Everything is clearly seen, but at the same time, we can't see it. <laughs> and so, there's... You got to learn how to see with your spiritual eyes. That's why you got to be born again to see the kingdom of God. 
And it's, you know, there, there's a whole lot of things. I can I go on and on and on and on. You can read the book of Matthew. It's full, the, the kingdom, it's full of the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. You read Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, the kingdom of heaven is so many things. Please go home and read it. I'm not reading it to you tonight. That's your responsibility as a Christian to read your Bible through. <laughs> um, so, how can we help this? You know, science would say, you know, you can see. How many of you can you remember biology when in high school back there, back in the what it was it the eighties, brother? Am I making making you that much older than you should be? It was in the eighties you took biology. Well, guess what? It's changed. Nineties. It's changed because I'm taking it right now. And I learned that it was kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. But now it's domain, kingdom, phylum, class, family, order, genus, species. Because we learned something new through observation, the scientific method. The first, first step of the scientific method is observation. I'm going to make an observation and I'm going to say, well, this is what I think is happening, and I'm going to do some experiments and maybe understand. And it works if you want to understand something better. But you can't really... It only works so much. My biology teacher says that the, the scientific method will not prove something true. It only proves things false. Not, that doesn't help me a whole lot. <laughs> doesn't help me a whole lot. Jesus said, in Luke 17 and 20, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. You can't see it. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So when you get the Holy Ghost, that is the kingdom of heaven living on the inside. And Colossians 1, 25, it says, Paul writes, it says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid, couldn't see it, from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. We can see it to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the kingdom of, of God in you is when you get the Holy Ghost. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so when we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, we've got the kingdom inside of us, and we're living according to a spiritual kingdom that is here already in the sense that it's inside of us, but it's also not yet coming in that it's going to come literally on the earth when Jesus comes back with the saints. And we're looking forward to that day, but until then we're praying thy kingdom come because we're still bound in our flesh. And, and so the kingdom of heaven is at hand and this is what we preach and that's why, that's why we come to church every, every week because it's easy to forget, hey, I'm not really part of this world. I'm not really going to get caught up in what's going on in politics because I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And the only way somebody's going to see it is 
by its being lived out in my life. I'm living according to a different law. I've got a law that has been written on my heart. And the Holy Ghost is using me as an example. A city set on the hill, if I can use some Bible language, to all of the world, when they see us, that they will glorify God. Hallelujah. And, and people know that we're part of that kingdom because we're no, we're, they'll know we're His disciples because we love one another. Hallelujah. And that's how they first became called Christians at Antioch. The same people that that killed their family members, and that's why they even fled to Antioch. Now we're preaching to them and writing letters to them. And the Bible says they were first called Christians at Antioch. And the world saw, hey, those people are part of a different kingdom. And we don't understand everything about it, but they're different. That's why you ought to be a little bit different on your job. People ought to know, hey, well, Zane, don't play by those rules. The kingdom of heaven, thy kingdom come. And that's what we pray. And, and the older I get, the more, the harder it is to get past that. Because I live in, a, I live in this world and I'm trying to raise kids in this world and I want to just say, God, you got to fix, this is the problem that's wrong with America. And you got to fix what's wrong with my job. And you, God, but I can't get caught up on that because God's not worried about that. God wants me to pray, thy kingdom come. And thy will be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you, are you feeling what I'm preaching today? Are you feeling the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is, is preached. It's not just presented. You know, I, you can watch whatever you want to on YouTube and somebody will present it to you. You can't do that to the kingdom of heaven because it doesn't come with observation. you got to get in it. you got to get in it. You can't even see it until you're born again of the water and of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And we're preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We can't just present it. You've got to preach it. And preaching is offensive to us as, as our, in our carnal flesh. It assaults our human nature. Hallelujah. That's why you read in the book of Acts, people would preach and they would stand up and take stones and kill people like Stephen. Hallelujah. And they would say they were cut to the hearts and, and they would they beat Paul. They stoned him so many times. And so we preach the kingdom of heaven. We don't just present it. We live it. That's the way we present it. But, but when we get up in the pulpit, we don't just say, well, now class, it's time for our TED talk on the kingdom of heaven. And check out these wonderful slides. It doesn't happen that way. You got The kingdom of heaven is not a chronological thing. It's not bound by our time scale. I love to read about history, but, and, you know, hindsight's, there's a hindsight bias. You know, you think you know everything because you read something about history. And you're, we're living it right now. <laughs> and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but I can tell you about the Mayans, and I can tell you about the Inca, and I can tell you about the Aztec or the, the Mexica, if they called themselves. But it doesn't matter because it's gone. We don't live in that time anymore. We're, that's chronological time. We're bound by it. Kingdom of Heaven is not bound by chronological time. It's chirological. And every once in a while, it crashes in. Right. It crashes into our humanity. And that's why we preach the Kingdom of Heaven. That's why somebody can come in here and they don't know what's... They don't even know what kind of question to ask. But we got the answer. Because we're preaching the Kingdom of Heaven. And Nicodemus, who's 
who was a very wise, learned man, comes to Jesus in the night. He says, we don't, he don't even, he's struggling for the words. And I've already said this, but Jesus said, hey, quit trying to answer, quit, ask questions. you got to be born again. Right. And, and he said, how, how can I be born again? It doesn't make sense scientifically. He says, you've got to be born again over the water and of the Spirit. And we know that that's the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus' name. Now, I was at a funeral one time. And I'm not making fun. But this, this guy, didn't, he didn't know that truth. He didn't un, was not properly dividing the word of truth. And he said, when you're born of the water, that's when you're born. And I said, no! In the middle of a funeral. Obviously, of a funeral of somebody that did not believe the truth. And it's sad because they didn't believe the truth. But it's even sadder because people are, they don't, there are churches, quote unquote. You, you can, you're only the church if you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. You can't, you cannot be the church if you, if you don't preach the Acts 238 doctrine. So, that's why I'm quoting, there are congregations. I don't know what you want to call them, but they're not the church. They're preaching everything but the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we're here preaching it tonight. So, what can, I, what can be said about the kingdom of heaven? First, we can't see it. You've got to preach it. And it's eternal. I like the scripture. It says, unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. That's kind of the way the kingdom of heaven is. It's eternal. It's invisible. And there's only one God on it. And, and that's, that's how it is. If I can read some... We're, we're citizens of that kingdom. Isaiah 9 and 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, I love this. Of the increase of His government. Everybody say government. And peace. There shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. God's kingdom is going to last forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now when God says, I'm going to do something, it's going to happen. Hallelujah. That's what zeal means. When God gets excited about something, it's going to happen. Excuse me here. Now, I can tell my wife, I'm going to hang that mirror, baby. But I don't have a whole lot of zeal to do it. <laughs> zeal is where we get, it's the root word for jealous. Zealous, zeal. It means I get really excited about something. Now, I'm really excited because... If the good Lord willing and it doesn't snow 15 feet tomorrow. Pastor Fishburn said, hey, we're going to take you to Sweetwater tomorrow. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty zealous. Actually, the only reason that I answered this phone call is because I saw a Fort Wayne area code. I said, that is Sweetwater calling me. I see some of y'all have done business with them. 
But I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm not as excited as Brother Adam, though. We're, we're going. And we'd already talked about this. Look, if he tells us we're going and we don't go, we're still going. We're still going. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is not something that God's just talking about. This is going to happen. He's going to have a kingdom, and, a, and the increase of it, it's never going to have a bad year. It's going to, there shall be no end. I want to be a part of something like that. I want to be a part of something like that. Now, that's the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're preaching here. We're, there's, it's a spiritual kingdom. It's living inside of us. That is the church. You can actually interchange the church and the kingdom of heaven. As long as you're talking about the church and you're not talking about the church down the road, that's not preaching the gospel. I don't know what they are. God's going to separate the wheat from the tares. Amen. But God's going to have a church and the get, it says on this rock of Revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's going to happen. The zeal of the Lord and hosts is going to perform this. Now, we're talking about government and we're talking about a kingdom. And, and it's coming. It's already here in our heart. That's why we're here on a Friday night shouting about somebody talking about something that nobody else can see. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's coming one day. Jesus is coming back and it's going to be set up literally on the earth. And we're going to read more about that here in a second. But let's first, let's talk of, I want to set your mind at ease about the kingdoms of this earth. Because it can get your blood pressure up if you let it. And it can get people really worried. And you and I have been around long enough to, get, to see people get into false doctrine over what's happen, happening politically. And it's laughable 20 years ago, looking back 20 years. You know, I remember, you know, I remember Y2K? I know none of you guys on the front row remember Y2K. But I, was, I remember Y2K. I watched it. I watched it click over from 1159 January, uh, December 31st, 1999, on on the kitchen stove. <laughs> and I was waiting for something like I don't know what I was waiting for, but <laughs> but you know we're laughing about that now, and some of you have even forgot it, and I know you lived through it. But I, I know churches that that fell apart over that and it, it's silly to think about but it's also disheartening because somebody might have lost out with God over and I get I get I'm going to be real with you I get really when 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 I see a preacher get all political not it, 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 I can even believe what they're getting all political about like yeah that's how I vote too but um it's not a matter. <laughs> I, I, I tend to want to shy away from those people. <laughs> and maybe, you know, maybe I'm dabbling here, but that's just I'm preaching the kingdom of heaven. And let me tell you what God says about all these other governments here. Isaiah 33 and 2 says, The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. 
He will save us. You know, that scripture right there is how we got the basis of our government here in the United States. Benjamin Franklin said, that might be a good scripture to have three-legged government there. So everything's balanced. We've got the legislative branch, the judicial branch, and the executive branch. And it works great in theory, but we understand now that it, hey, it's, just, it's like... And, and do not get me wrong. I love America. And I'm thankful to be an American. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, America is as good as it gets. It's not as good as it once was. And it's probably not going to get any better. But this is as good as it gets without the Holy Ghost. And, and if you look at the timeline of of civilizations and and there's an ark and we're not on the upward part anymore <laughs> we're on the way down and i know some people this this is not popular preaching to americans especially people that have given their life in service to this country and i'm thankful for that and please don't misunderstand me when i when when i'm saying what i'm saying but ultimately it doesn't it's not going to last forever God's not going to use America to set up the kingdom of heaven. He may use some Americans that believe that are part of His church, but He's not going to use America because He's the king. And He's the judge. And He's the lawgiver. And, and He doesn't need anybody else's help. You know, when, when we look at that, it works great in theory, but it, we're, we, our nation is so divided against each other. And, and the kingdom of heaven is not. And, and the Bible says things like, thy scepter is a right scepter. He didn't usurp it. And shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God's going to, you know, we have a Supreme Court decision and there's four for and, you know, five against. Whatever, you know. And, and five people say, this is how it ought to be. And they say, yes, this, and that's the way they go. And then the other four write a dissent. This, this is not the way it should have went, and this is why. This is what I feel. Well, God's going to always do right. And furthermore, we're judges. You're spiritual judge all things. And we're kings and priests. We'll get into all that later. And, and you can. But the kingdom of heaven is not concerned with other governments. Let me give you some scripture for that. Isaiah 40, the same chapter where John, that is referenced twice in our, our opening text, the same chapter. Please go home and read Isaiah 40 and read it out loud with gusto two or three times. And it'll begin to make sense. And I started to just read it the whole through tonight, but verse 17 says, All nations before Him are as nothing, and they are counted to Him less than nothing and vanity. And if I can be vulnerable here, I... I'm not going to lie, I got to pray into God about this past election. <laughs> Earnestly. Because you ask, have not because you ask not. That's what we do. We, we, we pray about everything. And, and we eat because we preach against everything else. We, we pray about everything. And, and God smote me. It, maybe smote is a strong word, but He kind of eased my mind and said, look, you really think I'm worried about this? And, and I began to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And, and, and I take a lot of comfort in knowing that 
He taketh up the aisles is a very little thing. God's not worried about, He's not worried about the governments of this earth. He's, he's not concerned about it. Less than nothing. And vanity. You know, when the Bible goes into detail to put those double, it, it, you ought to pay attention to it. When it uses more, it's, it's saying this is emphatic. There's, there's, some, there's some emphasis placed on how little God cares. And He's worried about all the nations. He's not worried about Russia. He's not worried about you name it. He's the king. He's the king. I want to be part of that kingdom. I don't want to think that I'm part of the kingdom of God. I don't want to fight against the kingdom of God. I've been doing a little bit of reading. We're going to go back and we're backing up here, talking about things that we can't see and things we don't understand. I've been doing a little bit of reading or listening, if you will. We can argue about that after I don't have the microphone. I do a lot of audiobooks, and one of the ones I've been reading, don't ask me why, just this is the kind of stuff that interests me. The Interpretations of Dreams by Sigmund Freud. Has anybody ever read that? It's kind of boring. I tried to get Brother Adams, hey, let's listen to this on the way up here. And he said, no. <laughs> Whatever. He missed it out. Well, I, I can just cut, you know, I can just tell you that there's a whole lot of things about, there's almost everything about dreams we don't understand. We, we, we can describe it to the best of our knowledge, but there's, we just don't understand a lot about dreams. And I know this is a text is very old. It's more than 100 years old. So we've probably learned more since Sigmund Freud. But still, I mean, you ever had just crazy dreams? I mean, it's good. The Bible puts a lot of emphasis on dreams. I mean, just because you ate, you know, pizza last night and you had a dream doesn't mean you know. Be careful interpreting, <laughs> interpreting that because sometimes you know you'll have some strange dreams. I had a dream last night though. It means I got some good sleep that I had a, a double neck guitar. Oh, how cool would that be? Adam said, if we had that, we'd have to go to the chiropractor twice a week. But God uses dreams in the Bible, and, and they're pretty important. The first one, I suppose, is Jacob's dream at Bethel. When he dreamt, there was a ladder, and angels ascending and descending to heaven. Then Joseph dreams a dream that the, the sun and the moon bow down all these stars, and then everybody gets mad at him and throws him, sell him into slavery. And then the baker and the butler dream a dream. Joseph's there to interpret it because these people didn't know the interpretation. And then Pharaoh has a dream, and it scares him. And Joseph's there to say, hey, look, this is something that you can't see and you don't understand. But I'm God gives the interpretation. And by 
because of that, somebody was sensitive to God, a whole lot of people were saved. And I think it is very telling that God gave the most powerful man in the world at the pinnacle of its glory a dream about how it was all going to end. And we can read about that in Daniel chapter 2. And it says, And Nebuchadnezzar, in the year, the third year of Nebuchadnezzar or whatever, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams and his sleep broke from him. He couldn't remember the dream. And if you can go with me on this, this is the most powerful man in the world. When we talk about kings today, there, you know, you might see the Queen of England, who is really not a queen anymore. She's a queen in name, but the people have the power in England and in the UK. There's not very many places where there are true kings like Nebuchadnezzar was the king. And Nebuchadnezzar can't remember the dream, but and he can't go back to sleep. And he's scared to death. And he calls everybody that is somebody and says, if somebody doesn't tell me this dream, I'm going to kill you all and make your houses dunghills. Now go with me on this. Let's suppose we'll use President Biden. President Biden has a dream that he can't remember. Surprise. And it's he can't sleep and he's scared to death and he gets everybody, all the college professors, all the psychologists, all the religious people, and he says, he gets them all together and says, look, fellas, if y'all don't tell me this dream and tell me what it means, I'm going to kill you. And we can laugh about that because it's a funny scenario. It probably would never happen in the United States, thank God. But this really happened, and it was not funny. And as a matter of fact, they said, hey, tell us the dream and we'll tell you. And he, and he said, no, you've got to tell me the dream because otherwise you're just lying to me. And then they said it again. Well, just tell us the dream. You ever got in an argument like that with your kids? I'm not going to look at you. <laughs> you tell your kids one thing and they say, B. You say A and they say B and, and they contradict. And then they say B again. I've already answered that. <laughs> Everybody's going to die unless y'all tell me this dream. Don't, don't ask me again. And, and it's funny right now because... You guys are sick people if you're laughing at that. People dying. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm really kidding. But it was at the point where the man was going to kill people. And Daniel says, hold on. What is hasty? Because these people already said, look, there's not a man alive that can tell you your dream. And there ain't nobody in the world that would ask such a crazy thing. He stuck with it. Y'all tell me the dream or I'm killing you. Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to go there just so we don't get off track. And Daniel tells him, look, just give me some time. And God appears to Daniel in a night vision, the Bible says, or a dream. I don't know what the difference between a night vision and a dream is. I've never had a vision but I can't tell you how many times God's given me a dream and it was from the Lord. And 
Just trust me. <laughs> the thing that I dreamed happened. And I'm not saying that every dream I have. I'm not probably not getting it. Maybe I shouldn't speak negative things. I'm speaking faith. I'm probably not getting a double neck guitar tomorrow, though. <laughs> Unless there's a really good deal. Hallelujah. Therefore, Daniel, verse 24, Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. And Daniel and Arioch brought Daniel in before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation of? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, the psychiatrists, the self-help people. They do not, gonna, they do not understand the spiritual things. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed. And so, verse 31, Daniel has the dream, God reveals it to him. Verse 31 tells the dream. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. And we use that word terrible like, man, you're a, you're a terrible pizza maker now. But the word terrible is, is a word that really we should only be using about God. Like, it inspires. Ah, it, I can't approach it. It's so awesome. That's another word we should only use about God. So, terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part iron and part clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them in pieces. Then was the iron and the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken in pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so what Daniel begins to describe, you can go home and read it, but this is the kingdoms of the earth. And Nebuchadnezzar was at the head. And then Persia, and then Greece, and then Rome, and then wherever we are today, which is the iron mixed with clay. That's why there's there's so much... The power is divided in governments. So that's what that means. And we got the federal government that's got all the nukes in the world, and then we got... Joe down the street that's voting that's got power. You know what I mean? And it's not perfect. It's not a perfect. They don't, they don't mix. That doesn't really matter because the stone smites it on the feet. And there's no place left for it on the earth. And so the interpretation of that dream is all the world system 
you know, Babylon was where they were, and Babylon comes up in Revelation quite a bit. We're still dealing with that spirit of Babylon. But the kingdom of heaven is coming. And it's going to crash in to that kingdom that's on the earth. And there's not going to be anything left to remember it by. And that's the kingdom of heaven that is at hand. Jesus is that stone. The Bible says the stone which the builders rejected. He's the cornerstone of the church. Upon this rock will I build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That stone's coming back. And it's going to set up a kingdom on the earth. And it's going to grow and grow and grow. And this kingdom of, that we're living in now, the things that we're bound by now, the things that get Rush Limbaugh all over, <laughs> there's not going to be anything to remember it by. And that kingdom of heaven is going to last forever. I don't know about you, but I, I want to put my stock and my resources and my time and my ability into something that's going to last forever. Amen. Hallelujah. I want, I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. That's why there's scriptures that say, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Make that your priority. And all these other things will be added with you. And how many times have we watched people that had a call of God on their life, or they had the holy, they had the kingdom of heaven inside of them. And they started seeking first something else. And pretty soon that thing closed off. There was a man, a Pharisee, asked Jesus, Hey, what's the greatest commandments? Jesus said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus asked him that. And that's what that was his answer. He said, you're close to the kingdom of heaven. You're close. I don't want to be close. I want to be in it. I want to be in it. And so I'm, I'm, pre I'm here preaching to you today. That same stone that, that's going to destroy this whole system is, is the kingdom that we're preaching about. It's the kingdom of heaven that is ha at hand. And... If you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's very near to you right now. And you, you can let it in your heart. And I'm preaching to everybody else that very soon the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And literally, Jesus is going to come back. Hallelujah. The air conditioner scared everybody. That was the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> so, what do we do with all this information that we preached? What? How do I respond to this message. How do I respond to something I can't see today? I want to read a scripture. It's in Luke. I didn't write the reference down. Go figure. It says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into now, I can preach like this every, every service. And there will be people that enter into the kingdom of God. And there's going to be people that get close, like the Pharisee. And then there's going to people, be people that turn away sorrowful, like the rich young ruler. I don't want to be one of those. 
I want to be one of the, well, I want to be that first guy that receives it. I want the kingdom of heaven to come. It's here. It's so close. And what, what, hap- what does the kingdom of heaven look like for the church? So we can preach that until Jesus comes back to set up this earth, earthly kingdom. What does the kingdom look like for us who have it on the inside? Well, it ought to look a lot like heaven where, where people are loving one another and where people's lives are changed and where there's no sin and where there's, where there's unity and there's not backbiting and devouring and, and, and disunity. And that's not you know where those envying and strife is. There's every evil word. Quoting at that scripture. So how does the church, how should the church look when the kingdom comes to the church? Well, it ought to be growing. It ought to be, people ought to be getting the Holy Ghost. Bible studies ought to be being taught. That kind of thing. And so, here we are. We preach the kingdom of heaven tonight. And it's, I've preached it. I haven't just presented it. I haven't just told you about it. God's working on your heart. And I understand there's a lot, a lot of us are church people. We're here. We're going to preach, you know, you, you're going to say amen if, if Bishop, Bishop, Pastor, <laughs> maybe you are Bishop, I don't know, Bishop Fishburne gets up here and preaches the hokey pokey. There are people, people that run aisles because we're under authority. We're going to do what the pastor says. But there's, I've been in church long enough and I'm trying to use the spirit. I'm just trying to be led of the Lord right here. That I understand there's times when we get our priorities out of whack. And uh, we know that the kingdom of heaven is really important and God thinks it's important, but you know, so is, you know, my Scrabble club. <laughs> you know, that's kind of arguments that people make. <laughs> oh man, I know church is real important, man, and that's eternal. It's going to last forever. But uh, i got to watch this game. It's dumb stuff. You know, um, I have a friend at work and he was he was playing on the stock market <laughs> with his phone. He uses the Robinhood app, and that's cool. Whatever you know, you can make money with it. You can also lose a lot of money, and that's what he did. <laughs> he was. I come in there. He looked like a cover boy for the Book of Lamentations. Said, What's the matter, man? Said, well, I just lost three hundred dollars. Well, and then I get to find out he didn't lose three hundred dollars. He lost the opportunity to make. That's how the world is. If you're putting your resources and, and your money on something that God is going to destroy, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I would say that that's probably a pretty bad investment. But if you can invest in the kingdom of God, and whatever that means to you, maybe somebody in here is. Maybe it means money. And it, it always means money because we ought to be tithing, right? But maybe God's dealing with you on a deeper level than just money. Are you? How close are we seeking the kingdom of God? Because it's at hand. It's, it's, it's eternal. We don't need to take things that are eternal lightly. And, and so I've preached today, and, and if musicians, would you come? 
the kingdom of heaven is preached until John was the law and prophets. But now, since that time, the kingdom of heaven is preached and every man presses his way into it. And there's, there's times when you don't feel anything and you're going to have to press in to the kingdom of God. And there's times when the world is pulling on you so strong. Oh man, you can't commit to another night at church because whatever. Or people struggle with getting in the church because they're attached to whatever activity. I was a youth pastor for 12 years and I watched. You know, you can only do so much because it's ultimately up to the parents. And, and you watch kids that really want to live for God and then they really, they, you take them to conferences and God moves on them and you see them. You see God moving on their life and then they get back home and there's, there's a tension. Do I, am I going to invest my time in something that's eternal? Or am I going to go play football? I just, I just, that was a real example. I watched a kid, oh, I want to go on this, I want to go with y'all, I want to do, but, uh, but I'm part of this travel team. It's like, do you not understand how ephemeral that is? How quickly that's going to pass? And this is something that's going to last forever. I'm preaching the kingdom of heaven. And there's, you, you can name whatever it is in your life. I want us to stand right now. There's, there's things that, that are vying for our time. And, we, and, and maybe we've been shying away from doing whatever God wants us to do. And there's things that you're doing that God's like, what in the world are you doing? Why are you wasting your time on that? I don't want to get to heaven and say Zane and God says Zane you, you were laboring in vain the Bible says except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that do it and God is building his kingdom on this rock I will build my church and the gates of, and we are God's building has your labor ever been in vain I want to talk about two examples here when I was a kid, I used to bail hay or haul hay, whatever you want to call it. Anybody ever done that? Oh, thank you. Me and you. <laughs> well, you just, it's square bales of hay. And you pick them up and you put them in a stack. And you stack them as high as you can. I remember stacking that so high and not tying the rope down. And then my brother tried to drive the truck with the burnout clutch and it dumped the clutch and knocked my haystack down and I just did all that work for nothing I don't want to get to heaven and because I do believe that every one of us are going to have to stand before God and God say you know what everything you did on earth was a big waste of time you should have been investing in the kingdom of God and so we're preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Are you in? Are you committed to the kingdom of heaven? How, how much is the kingdom of heaven a priority in our life? I want us to come raise our hands. God, I've heard your word tonight. God, we've heard your clear word tonight, Jesus. I want to have the kingdom of heaven in me. I want that to be a priority. I don't want it to be something that I just do on Sunday. I don't want it to be something that I just do on a, on a Wednesday night, God. But I want this to be real. Hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in my life, God. Let your kingdom come in this church. Let your kingdom come, Jesus. I 